Hello, and welcome back to Bible Braced. Hello, everybody. We are very excited to be with you today. We are starting part two of our Redemptive Relationships episode (laughs) series. Say that fast. I dare you. I don't want to. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to either. Last week, as you guys know, we did our intro, and so we talked about just how God's used discipleship in our own lives and the major pitfalls in participating in discipleship and how we can hold ourselves back because we're focused on our own abilities, our own schedules, or whatever we're facing that might be daunting, and that God has called us all to be a part of discipleship and that He expects us, no matter what season, to be participating. There are seasons where we can do it more. There are seasons where we can do it less, (laughs) but we are to always be engaged in discipleship. And so what does that look like? Mm -hmm. And so as we started talking about that last week, we kind of were just covering um, the different spiritual gifts and how this can kind of look for different people. And we had shared the Chip Ingram, Your Divine Design series, um, just to kind of help you know what your spiritual gift might be and to kind of go through that series as we talked about last week. It's not one that we doctrinally would come down on the same area in every aspect of, but I mean, for by and large, it's a very solid. Yeah. You and, can use discernment, yeah. discernment and spit out the bones in my opinion. And I don't, I don't hate, I hate to act like, you know, there are bones in it or that, um, you know, we, because we would disagree, we're the ones that are right. Right. <laughs> Obviously we think we are because we disagree, right? <laughs> yeah. But these are not like huge doctrinal issues. It's just nuances to how we would interpret certain aspects of scripture a little bit differently than where Pastor Ingram would come down on them. But I have the most respect for that man and listen to him all the time. And biblically, he is very, very, very mm-hmm. solid and is a safe teacher to listen to and to recommend. So yeah. I want to make sure I, I am very careful to stress that. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, if he was like denying the true gospel, oh, then right. like, don't listen to him. Yeah. But if he's like a godly man who will be with us in heaven, <laughs> yeah, he has he, a lot to offer. Yeah. Then. Like I've been, I have been yeah. discipled by Chip for many years. And so very thankful for his investment in my spiritual life. Even though he doesn't know me personally, he has been a huge force for God's glory in my life. Yeah. So we're getting into our part two of the series, which is preparing the ground. And if any of this is taken out of context, it's Katie's fault because these are her notes, so don't come at me. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) There it is, ladies ladies and gentlemen, but there aren't any gentlemen here. Ladies, there it is. I have been betrayed. No, I'm just covering my own skin. (laughs) Emily, you're like my own sister. (laughs) You're like a brother to me. (laughs) (laughs) I have put these notes together, which is why you guys are probably like, why does this sound different than when Emily's teaching? It's fair. (laughs) Okay. We all have our different gifts. Hopefully it doesn't sound that different. But I want to, this is just how my brain works. Hopefully it helps your brain work this way too. I was just kidding. I don't have any like, oh, that's false teaching. Emily's over here tearing apart my notes, (laughs) ripping them into little shreds. That's not how I would have said it. Oh man. All right, go ahead. Now that I've smashed your confidence. Yeah, exactly. Good thing my hope is in the Lord and not in my ability to put together a clear outline. Yeah, I'm helping you to depend upon him. Well, we're going to prepare the ground. So, Emily, when I say prepare the ground, what does that make you think of? Uh, like farming, gardening, mm. tilling ground for 
planting seeds. Interesting. Very interesting. I think of like prepping the ground for a foundation to be laid for like Hmm. a house or a building. Um, But I think, you know, obviously it means it can be the same. Whose is better? Comment. On th- this. In your co- in this context, yours is better because we're going to be in Hosea oh, okay. 10, <laughs> 11 through 12, which actually is talking about preparing the ground for planting. So I love it. Uh, <laughs> Emily, how about you read that passage? Hosea 10, 11 through 12. Sure. So like in any aspect of us coming to God's word to learn, I think there is, there should be intentionality on our parts to be prepared to hear God's word, right? Mm-hmm. We should come with hearts that are humble, recognizing our need for whatever he has to share with us. We should come ready to be changed, ready to respond with yes, Lord, to whatever he says. And sometimes there is some heart work that we need to do before we can come and read the word or we need to confess sin or we need to go and get something right between us and another person. We need to change something in our lives. We know is not honoring the Lord. We need to walk in truth. And Mm -hmm. so this is, you know, as we get into um, redemptive relationships, how do we disciple? Some of you might be confused by how I've set up our outline and how we're teaching this, but it's because if you guys are starting to engage in discipleship and you are not biblically solid, If you are not grounded and rooted in the word of God, if you are not being obedient in your own walk, then you are going to replicate yourself and those you invest in. Yeah. And I don't want you guys with your shaky foundation and your house that's falling down to teach someone else how to build a house on sand that's going to fall down. Okay. (laughs) We need to be built on the rock. And those who have a rock solid foundation and who have built their home according to code, you know, well, they are able to come alongside and teach someone else how to do that. And we are imperfect. We covered this last week, right? None of us are at a level where we are like, good, now I can serve the Lord. I'm now fully prepared for any counseling (laughs) situation that will come before me. All right. We're never going to be there. You're never going to know all the answers. But... You should be walking in obedience. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that obedience means stepping out in faith and doing what he's called you to do by building redemptive relationships, right? You might be walking in disobedience because you're not willing to sacrifice and engage in that, even though he's called you to it. But we are going to spend time in the word building a strong foundation on what it means to be a godly woman, what it looks like in God's Bible for women in the different roles that he's given us roles within the church roles within the home roles within the community. And we're going to be intentional women of God who have a foundation that's rock solid on God's word, not on our opinion, not on the culture, not on what I read in a magazine, not on what mama said or grandma said, or aunt Betsy said, we are going to build a biblical view of womanhood based on God's word, which transcends culture. Mm-hmm. It transcends family of origin. It transcends job and and environment and the decade you were born yeah. in. The, our creator knows what he's talking about when it comes to how we work Go and what's figure. best for us. So it's very easy for people to think, oh, that's archaic. That's not for today. But it's like, well, truth is truth no matter yeah. what time it is. <laughs> so yeah. we, can, we can trust God to give us what we need to hear. Yeah, every day. And there are people who think they have a biblical view of womanhood and they are very 
um, oppressive being, oppressive <laughs> is a good word um they're <laughs> <laughs> it's very more strong than I thought it was going to be. Sorry. Oh, but there are very oppressive views on womanhood. There are very restrictive views on womanhood. There are very, um, there are people who would say, if you're going to be a biblical woman, they, this is the amount of effort and the amount of influence you're able to have. And it's a very tiny little area and everything else is for God to do through men and guys, there are limitations yeah. to the calling of woman, just like there are limitations to the calling of man. Mm-hmm. There are limitations to the calling of humanity. <laughs> we can't fly with our hands. Okay? <laughs> That's oppressive. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a, a mean-spirited, <laughs> oppressive God who said, I will not give them flippers or fins or wings okay he made us human he made us to walk on the earth and within those restrictions and limitations we are able to glorify god as humans in special powerful ways we couldn't do if we were a fish or a bird Mm -hmm. right and in the same regard from obeying and following him right and living a fulfilled life in christ exactly for sure there are ways in which we are restricted as women in the word of god to live out God's calling for us in the specific order of creation and the specific roles he's given us as women. But that's not a restriction, okay, you guys? And I have to tell you in all sincerity that if you think that freedom for you and and fulfillment means that no one tells you anything that you can or cannot do and that you just have carte blanche for, like, the world, that's foolish, okay? You might have an authority problem as well. (laughs) Yeah, like there are rules and there are restrictions to everything we do. You cannot walk down a highway. You have to drive a car, okay? You cannot drive down a railroad track. (laughs) You have to take a train, There are things that we have to do, and that's part of living on the planet. And some, I think they're only hard whenever you disagree with them, too. Like, it's not hard for me to not drive down a train track, usually, unless I have, you know, trying to repress those invasive thoughts. (laughs) But, um, you know, because I agree, that's not a that's not a good thing for me to do that's foolish. But it's only whenever I hear something that's like, oh, why can't I do that? I want to do that. You know, yeah. I should be able to. Then yeah. it's like, well, I mean, think about why God has given us these boundaries. It's not because women can't physically do these things, usually. It's, mm-hmm. it's usually just because God said so, and that's okay. He has a different plan for us than he does for men. And that's yeah. awesome because we can then use our gifting in the parameters that he set and he's glorified and we're fulfilled yeah. following him. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. So yeah. it's just a matter of training ourselves to agree with God um, because you can't outlove him. And as Ali Beth Stucky says, not that I, you know, quote her all the time, but, <laughs> you know, you can't outlove him. And he, his plan for us is best because yeah. he knows best. And are you going to be someone who fights just because you feel like a fight? Or are you going to be someone who considers things objectively? And can be a reasonable, rational person and say, okay, this makes sense. This governs my life in every other area. God is able to also govern my life when it comes to my spiritual role and how I can be effective in the church Mm -hmm. and in the home and the community he's given me. And I have to say that like restrictions, that's a bad word, I think, in a lot of ways in people's mind that you are kept from doing something. It really is more, where are you the most fruitful? And I think God has given us the gifting and the ability 
and the influence, the sphere of influence as women to be incredibly powerful and incredibly important in certain areas. And there are other areas in which we don't have the gifting to be as powerful and as um, important, frankly. And when we try to always fight for those spheres of influence that we are not naturally as gifted for, then we're not going to be using what we have to its fullest potential. And it's going to be something that in the long run, you are going to tie your hands because you're not doing what you should be doing and what you're gifted for specifically to do. Instead, you're taking on someone else's role and trying to do that. It's like taking a tiny little paintbrush that you would use for like the tiniest dot on a painting and trying to use that tiny little brush that's made for precision and that's made for detail. And now you're going to paint the entire house with it. You're going to take it and use it outside to paint your siding. It's going to take you 5 million years to do that. It is a waste of resources. It's a waste of energy. It's a waste of time. That brush is made for incredible detail and incredible small powerful work in its sphere where it was created for. In the same way, there if you take a giant roller brush or a giant paint sprayer and try to do detail work on a painting, <laughs> doesn't work out. It doesn't work, okay? <laughs> That's ridiculous. Like you need you are built for a specific work as God's woman. You are built for specific roles and gifting and functions. There's no shame in that. There's joy. Finding out what you were created for allows you to be the most effective with the time you have on earth. Mm -hmm. And trying to fight that by always pursuing the gifting that you've not been given, the role you have not been given, you are going to be discouraged and frustrated your whole life because you're painting a house with a tiny little brush and all the people around you are going to be frustrated. Imagine the person next to you with a giant roller brush who can't paint the house because you keep chasing them off because you want to do it with your tiny little detail brush. Okay, like that's silly. <laughs> okay, And what are they going to do? They're going to try to go do the detail work? Like they're made for different things, right? And so don't fight God's order. Don't fight his role for you. He knows what's best. He's given you the gifting. He's given you for a purpose. And I have to say too that as women who love the Lord and study his word and try to think about the context things are written in and you try to apply Bible study, you know, rules to how we see the word and how we teach the word. I have to say that I think we tend to be less restrictive than a lot of people are when it comes to God's word. But then I, when I look out in culture and I see what women are trying to have in Christian circles and what the roles that women are trying to take, I think that we are a lot more restrictive than other people are. And so don't judge yourself based on your community or your environment or what other people are doing. We need to judge ourselves based on what God's word says. Mm -hmm. And that's where we get into trouble if we're like, well, am I more conservative or am I more liberal than this group I'm a part of or whatever? What matters is God's word. Right. And we shouldn't say, well, the culture is doing this and we need to get with the times or whatever. It's like, no, God's word is where we go for truth. Now, are you going to be a woman of God who walks in the truth, who lives out the truth, who is responsive to what he has called you to do? Or are you going to be someone who fights what God's word says because of what you want? You know? Right. And I think for those of us, or maybe I should say those of you who um, would disagree with 
that. Like, well, I do have that gifting. I do have like, you know, pastoral gifting and pastoral, you know, maybe you're a pastor or something and like you feel like that's working out great, you know. It doesn't you probably Again, didn't know this plot twist, but we don't believe that <laughs> yeah. the Bible teaches that women can be pastors. It actually teaches quite adamantly that yes. they cannot be pastors, and we'll get to that in this study. But that's a spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it would be easy to just take what we're saying and be like, well, you're wrong because this is how I'm wired and it's working out fine. But who's to say it's working out fine if that goes against what God says? And again, it's not a matter of you know, women aren't, don't have gifting to be pastors. Cause I think a lot of the gifting that we do have could lend itself to that. You know, like if you're a good teacher or you're a good leader, but who says that you have to be a leader in the way that God has designed in a role specifically for men? You know, that's not a demeaning thing for us. That's like, you know, I don't particularly want to be the secretary of the state, but I don't, you know, it doesn't matter to me until someone says, you can't be the secretary of the state. Then I'm like, well, I want to. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I think, you know, it could, vary, it could vary for different people. But the main thing is do what God has said you can do. And it's not a matter of like, oh, you know, I have the gifting, so I should be able to do that. But it's a matter of why don't you use that gifting that you do have in a way that God has designed for you too, and like you can be a leader in different ways that he mm -hmm. condones you know and you should be you know so i think that's just another caveat i would add to the design um yeah. illustration as well it just gives you such I, I think it back to our paintbrush illustration it's not a perfect illustration but if you say like hey all i have is the color blue and i have the same color as that person does but yeah but you guys are different tools like, can you understand how that's the case? You having blue paint, but being a different tool than someone else who has blue paint and has a different tool, you guys are going to accomplish different things. It's going to be the same color, but you're going to accomplish different things, right? Because of how you're made. It's not about just our gifting. It's about who we are as individuals and the strengths and the weaknesses and the spheres of influence that God has given us because of our gender. And because of where he's placed us in this world. And I just say, as a woman who has very strong gifting that's administrative and pastoral in a lot of ways, I have exhortational gifting, I have teaching gifting, I'm being able to, to lead certain movements. And like, I've, I've, God has given me gifting for that, for launching ministries, for helping with bringing the right people, the team together to accomplish a task. There are a lot of ways in which I can look like a cookie cutter pastoral gifting mix, right? Like if mm -hmm. you look at just my gifting on paper, but I'm a woman. God's called me to have this gifting as a woman. It's not a mistake that he gave me this right. gifting. It's not a mistake that I'm a woman and have this gifting. It's a mistake for me to think because I have this gifting, I must have to disobey God's word mm -hmm. to use it effectively. That's the error in thinking. Right. That's the problem. <laughs> when you can use that God-given gifting in ways that he condones. Yes. And, you know, in women's ministry and, yep. you know, building up the local body of Christ, not as a pastor, you know. Yep. And it's cool. It's not like it's not like God has given you that gifting, you know, as a, an exemption, I guess. Yeah. Or like, oh, you know, you you physically aren't capable of being a pastor. And that's why women can't be pastors. You know, it's like, it's, that's not it. Cause you do have that gifting yeah. in many ways. It's just a matter of what does God say? Yeah. And, and that's the cool thing. 
you know he has different stuff for women to do and that's cool i find lots of joy and lots of freedom in the fact that as a woman i have this gifting god didn't just give it to men because there's a need for me as a woman to have it Mm -hmm. this podcast is a good example of that i mean emily and i both have what some could say quote unquote pastoral gifting emily has the gift of teaching like these are both things that we could say because i have this gift i must be a pastor or I must be a ministry leader, I must be a deacon or whatever. And actually, God's called us to take these gifts as women and use them in the body of Christ for other women. Mm-hmm. This podcast not was for us, started. Not for right. You. Yeah. Ex- exactly. This podcast was started to be an encouragement to women. Like that's why we're doing this podcast. Our gifting plays into the fact that we are willing to launch this and do it and and put that work into it every week to try to be a biblically solid resource for you to be encouraged in your walk with Christ. And there are a lot of other opportunities I've had that are similar to that where it's happened because of the gifting God gave me as a woman. When I get into the right row, (laughs) you know what I'm thinking? Okay, if I have this opportunity, but I'm a woman, how do I use this under the sphere that God has given me? How do I use this in the circle of influence God's given me for his glory understanding that he will never contradict his word. And so the gifts he's given me are not in contrast to the gender he's given me. Mm -hmm. They are all to work together for his glory right? in the local church. And so it's not a mistake. You're not a mistake. If you feel like that, if you've been frustrated in the past because you think, how do I do this as a woman when I have more quote unquote masculine gifting? You know, there's no such thing. God has given us all different opportunities, different tools in our toolboxes. And as women, we have specific roles and opportunities within the local church and within home and community where we can showcase those gifts in a way that glorifies God and gives him praise. And in a way that men can't, you know, they have different roles. Absolutely. That's cool. So getting into that idea of being biblical women and preparing our hearts to hear what God has to say, you may already feel a little frustrated and a little tense and a little irritated with us because you're like, I disagree with all these things they're saying. Hey, let's get into God's word. Let's think about what his word says. It's not about what I think or what Emily thinks or what anyone else thinks. Like, let's be willing for God to speak to us. And so that's one of the reasons why we're going to Hosea 10, 11 through 12 right now is because we want to be intentional about preparing our hearts for God's word so that we can be changed and utilized for kingdom work. So Emily, if you want to go ahead and read that for us. All right. Hosea 10, 11 and 12. Mm -hmm. It says... Ephraim is a trained heifer that loves to thresh, but I will come over her fair neck with a yoke. I will harness Ephraim, Judah will plow, Jacob will harrow for himself. Sow with a view to righteousness, reap in accordance with kindness. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes to rain righteousness on you. This passage is talking about Israel, obviously, and the different you know tribes involved, and that God is encouraging through the prophet Hosea for the people to repent. But it's this idea that we want to take away from there of digging up the fallow ground and being ready for righteousness to be sown. You know, like like Emily was talking about earlier, preparing the field, preparing the garden. You know, we're close to the months where we would start doing that as spring is on the horizon. I know we just started winter, but like I'm already thinking about what bulbs I want to put in the ground and I'm already <laughs> thinking about flowers that I want to plant because, you know, another month and a half and we'll be in that season. So preparing the ground for planting is a real thing that 
you know, those who are gardeners and, and farmers do. And you can't do a good job of preparing the ground if there are giant obstacles in your way, right? Mm-hmm. If the ground is frozen, it's hard to do it, right? You, it's it's frozen ground is very hard to dig into and to break up. If there are giant rocks, if there's lots of roots and lots of tree and, and foliage from other plants that are in the way, if, if there are, you know, old buildings or old fences, like all these things that can stand in the way of you breaking up the ground and having fruitful ground to plant in. And so this is a time when he's talking about doing this as a nation. It's a good reminder for us as individuals to ask ourselves, what's standing in my way? Like what's preventing me from embracing with joy what God's word says about me as a woman? Why do I bristle at the fact that God has a specific role for me and that I have a sphere of influence that's different from a male counterpart? Why does that make me angry? You know, what's, what's the American feminist that's rising up in me screaming for justice, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, why are we as women so ready to fight over this? And this has nothing to do with whether or not we should have the vote or, you know, <laughs> anything yeah. like that. I'm a professional. I work in the medical field. I work as a critical care, as an ICU nurse. Like, I'm at the top of my profession as a woman. I have been in leadership positions in the hospital as a woman. I have no problem with us as women pursuing careers or work paths or whatever God's gifted us for that we feel like we should pursue. But can I still be someone who is living in resistance to God's word when I read a passage that deals with meekness or that deals with submission or that deals with a woman having a specific role in the home or in the church and I bristle at that? And I think, hmm, I don't like that. Mm. Oh, that makes me angry. That makes me uncomfy. (laughs) And it's, guys, I think we've been way more influenced by our culture than we realize it or than we even admit it. Um, We need to really think about how much we fed on what the world thinks women are and what they're for. And I was just talking to a good buddy about this recently that there was a a book I really love about this woman who is a very gentle, um, sweet, sacrificial character. And she just is someone who continues to serve her family and continues to bear with them being kind of unkind to her. And then the end result of that suffering and that, you know, service really that she gives to her family is that there's finally a day when it, it works out for her that that was the right decision, right? Obviously we do things for God's word and out of obedience to him, regardless of whether or not we're going to get a comeuppance on earth or, you know, we're going to get whatever we want on earth. Right. Yeah. But she in the story has this wonderful time where the man that she cares about recognizes her gifts, even though they're not very loud or flamboyant, loves her for being who she is, her, her quiet strength. And her family comes to realize that she's someone who others respect. And like, there's kind of this moment where it's like, this is a good character who now is in a right position of honor because she has been quiet and she's been serving in the background this whole time and it paid off, right? Well, this story was recently made into a movie and they took her character and they made her loud and sarcastic and cutting and they had her be this strong, independent woman. They completely changed her character and... 
I was really frustrated with that because it, it shows that we as a culture do not value quiet strength. Mm-hmm. We don't value women who serve and bear with things in patience and are just faithful. We value women who are loud and funny and sarcastic and who tell, you know, are kind of abrasive and who can fight their own battles or whatever. And it's like, almost like with a chip on the shoulder, yeah, too. like yeah. something to prove to everybody. And you know? I'm really frustrated by that being the only view of women of strong womanhood. Mm-hmm. There are so many types of women that are very strong that are not the loud, sarcastic, witty woman, right? There are women who are incredibly strong who just get up and serve every day for their whole lives. They are just focused on others. They are mm-hmm. there to take care of the needs of other people. They're not about themselves. They're not about self-care. They're not about all those things. Like there's incredible strength that women possess. And I think it's just a mistake to only view certain traits of womanhood as being the best and of being strong, et cetera. Mm -hmm. When really it's a lot harder to be somebody who's faithfully following the Lord every single day in a quiet, unnoticed, thankless job than it is to stand up for yourself and yell at people who are being mean to you. You know, Mm -hmm. like that's way easier. And I think it takes um, a lot of, you know, you can be a very weak person and still look like a strong person to the world just because like, what do we view as strong? But it's the person who's disciplined and who cares more about what God thinks of her than what people she can see think of her. Mm -hmm. You know, that takes a lot of strength. That should be something we strive for. It's true. So what are, what are barriers between you and the Lord and his view of you as a woman? Cause he made you and he did that for a purpose. So are you willing to take what he says seriously about who you are? And so maybe you need to pause this right here and just pray about that and think about it and confess and repent of things that you've held in your heart that are non-negotiables for you. Like, God, I'll serve you unless you ask me to do this. I'll serve you unless you want me to do this. You know, I'm not going to be under his authority or I'm not going to obey what this person says. You know, I'm, I have my rights. Well, we don't. None of us do. <laughs> We're called to be slaves of Christ. So we don't have any rights. Um, but then again, like, what are you holding on to? You're holding on to your own view of what it means to be a godly, strong woman. And God has a view of that that we should listen to and take seriously and adapt our mindset to not the other way around. And this kind of gets into our next passage because we're talking about James 1, 19 through 25. Um, this passage, Emily, you want to read that for us actually too? Yeah. James 1, 19 through 25. Yep. Did you want to say something before? No, go ahead. This, you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, In humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer but an effectual doer, 
This man will be blessed in what he does. It's interesting about this passage is that when it says we're to put away wickedness and receive God's word with meekness, that put off and put on of the Christian faith, it's presupposing that we are wicked, right? Because we're supposed to put it off. And it's also presupposing that to receive God's word requires meekness. And so what's meekness? You know, what is the idea there of meekness? Does your translation use a different word? Um, Receive with meekness, the implanted word. Uh, Mine says humility. Yeah, mine says humility too. So that idea of being humble, that presupposes that we are not humble, right? So that passage saying, you know, put away being evil and wicked and receive God's word with meekness and humility. It's that we mustn't take for granted that we're walking in his will or that we understand these things fully because scripture, its baseline is that we are sinful and we are not walking in the truth. We're not thinking thoughts that are true about God Mm -hmm. and ourselves, which is why we need the word of God, right? So we can change our thinking. And so don't come to this with pride saying, I know all these things and I understand them. Be willing for God to change your mind about these things, even if they've been deeply held for your whole life. Even if you came to those beliefs in college or through talks or through relationships or even biblical counsel from people that you love and care about, what does God's word say? Mm -hmm. We should be willing to put aside our wickedness and receive his word with humility understanding that we desperately need it and that God's the one who gets these things, not us. Right. Then um, let's go to Romans 12 real quick, one through two. And this talks about the idea of us not being changed by the world, but instead being changed by God. Do you have that, Emily? Mm Mm-hmm. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable I'm sorry, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So, you know, do we want a good, acceptable, and perfect will of God to play out in our lives? Like, yeah, <laughs> like sign me up, hello. Like, do you, would you rather have a good, acceptable, and perfect will of God playing out in your life and in your future? Or would you rather the reverse? So, you know, in this situation, we are allowing our mind to be renewed frequently by the world. Yeah. Right? Like. We don't even have to try for that, you know, it just happens naturally. That's what our thoughts are. Our our thoughts are fleshly, right? Without Mm -hmm. God's word influencing them, we're just thinking all day sinful thoughts. Like, oh, I think this about myself, or I think this about that person, or I think this about what I want or how I'm reacting in this way to this and information. And usually it's fleshly. Like the more and more we become like Christ, the more we soak in the word and saturate our thoughts with the word that changes and we're renewed by the word and transformed like Romans 12 talks about. But if we're not being intentional with that, then yeah, we're just walking around all day with the world in our head, right? And that's not even getting to the point where we're influenced by what's on our phones, by what we're playing on our smart speakers, by what we're watching on our televisions Mm -hmm. or on our computer screens. Where the people were around. Yeah. Like it starts to get crazy when you start to really think about the amount of saturation you are going through from a fleshly, like worldly standpoint. I remember a camp speaker when I was really young. I don't remember. I was a teenager. And we had a camp speaker come in who was asking like, you know, you guys are starting to get to the point where you're thinking about 
relationships, you're thinking about marriage. He's like, how many of you guys really want to have a, a marriage based off of Hollywood marriages? And like, obviously none of us raised our hand because even we realized as kids that Hollywood marriages don't last, right? Mm -hmm. Like people say, you know, when they say, oh, that's this in dog years or whatever, they say like, oh, your 10th anniversary, that's 50 in Hollywood years, you know, like, like, that's huge. If you stay married for 10 years, it's a really big deal, you know? And I mean, actors, actresses, they're constantly divorcing or cheating on each other or Mm -hmm. they have an open relationship or whatever. Like, it's crazy how immoral those relationships are. I don't know anybody who wants to have relationships like that. Like they might want fame. They might want money like those people have. They might want the house they have and the opportunities they have. (laughs) The beauty that they have. Yeah. But nobody would want to trade their stable life for the instability of those marriages. I mean, they, these people have everything. And because of that, they're frequently not saying no to themselves about anything. Right. And so he said, like, if you guys would not want to have a Hollywood marriage versus a godly marriage, he's like, how much are you promoting that in your future by what you're feeding on today? Hmm. He's like, are you people who are soaking in what God's word says? So you'll have a godly marriage one day and have a godly life. Or are you soaking in what the world says and what the world thinks and, you know, watching lots of movies and reading celebrity stories and listening to music and doing all the things that we want to do to be entertained. And it's like candy in the moment. It's easy. It's interesting. It's exciting. But then we're becoming what we're watching. Mm-hmm. We're becoming what we're beholding. And none of us really want to have lives like that. <laughs> none of us yeah. really want to have marriages and relationships like that. That's why it's their news items, right? Because of how terrible they are. Like I'm just thinking of like the whole Johnny Depp, whatever her name was. Amber Heard. Yeah, yeah. their whole like divorce and breakup that was so horrifically fascinating oh, a couple awful. of years ago. Oh, man. Like no one wants a relationship like that, right? That's terrible. It's so, it's so embarrassing. The secondhand embarrassment I feel on behalf of all these people all the time. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. But it's, but like how much are we being influenced by the world's view of all these things, you know? Yeah. We feed on it really. Yeah. It's, it's a we shouldn't be shocked if we start, you know, behaving in a worldly fleshly way when we tend to saturate ourselves with that all the time. Yeah, it's true. So you are what you behold, for sure. And lastly, we're just going to go to 1 Peter 3, 3 through 4. Because, you know, at the end of the day, even if you're not doing this, what's right, because it's what God says, you're not doing what's right, because it's going to make your life better. (laughs) You're not doing what's right, because you know, you should. At the end of the day, you know, do you want to do something that's highly valuable, and very precious to God? And this passage speaks to that specifically, which I think is really cool. If you read that for us, Emily. Yeah. Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair and wearing gold jewelry or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. What's interesting about this passage is I think, first of all, the the Bible here is talking about gentle, which is like also meek or humble Mm -hmm. is the word that can be translated to. Because I think... um, You know, sometimes we look at a personality that's more gentle and we can be like, well, I'm not really like that. I'm a good example of this. (laughs) I'm not a very gentle person. (laughs) 
And um, I would say working critical care has probably made me less gentle <laughs> over the years. You I, can be very gentle I, when the moment calls for it. <laughs> well, that's very kind of me. Thank you. Praise the Lord that he's doing that work <laughs> in my life. I'm not naturally a gentle person. <laughs> and I think that um, I think there are women I know who naturally are. Like Emily, I think you are naturally a gentle person. Like you're, you're going to be someone who comes in and you are going to come alongside instead of confront, you know, in your demeanor. And it's can be just as effective. In fact, more so effective if you, you know, if you're doing that biblically and from a position of truth, but your heart is to make sure that you're loving with how you share information, you know, and you're gentle about how you do that. And I think that can be really used powerfully when that's your personality. I think it can be really be used powerfully and it's nice when it's your personality <laughs> because gentleness is talked about in scripture. Jesus is talked about as being gentle and I'm thankful he's gentle with us. Right. But I love that this passage here is talking about the idea of meekness and humility. It's not just gentleness. Like this is how your personality is. It's someone who is humble it's someone who is living life God's way, recognizing that they do not have the answers, right? Mm-hmm. It says quiet spirit. It doesn't say a quiet personality. I think that for mm-hmm. years, I always read this as like someone who's quiet. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I just thought of someone like sitting in a corner, you know, like just like Mary Bennett from Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. I think that's something that's probably been misunderstood a lot. And people with people who look at this, they're like, ah, women should be quiet. <laughs> women should not say anything. Right. And then know? it says a quiet spirit. And I love that because really what's being what's being said here, and I'm going to try to find if I have a different translation. My um, The Lexham English Bible says, let your adornment not be the external kind, braiding hair, putting on gold jewelry, or putting on fine clothing but the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is highly valuable in the sight of God. And I think that what's interesting here is it's a, it's a gentle and quiet spirit. You know, it's, it's nice to have the personality where you're gentle. I think that's a blessing. And I think it's a feminine trait and I think it's masculine too. I mean, again, Jesus was gentle, right? Mm -hmm. And I, a, a man who is gentle, a gentle man is a highly valuable person to have, you know, like that's always going to be a a positive thing. But, um, it's talking here about gentle or humble or meek and quiet spirits. Yeah. Who you are inside, not just your outward demeanor. Yeah. And someone, I don't remember if it was the true woman conference or if it was someone else who was speaking, whoever it was said that, you know, really the idea of a quiet spirit is the idea of when life is happening and it's tempestuous and things are crazy and uncertain, this is someone who in their heart, they are, they have faith that God's going to take care of them. This is someone who has planted themselves on the bedrock of truth of God's word. And so their heart is humble. Their heart is quiet in the midst of chaos Mm -hmm. and turmoil. And it's an inner thing. It's a spirit of absolute trust in God. And so it has nothing to do with your personality. It has to do with what your heart's doing when mm-hmm. life is crazy. And when I heard that and I was studying the passage and saw that like, you know, this is what it's talking about as a spirit of quietness, a spirit of trust in God and humility. Mm-hmm. 
that was so encouraging for me because I'm not a I'm not a quiet person. <laughs> and this doesn't mean that like I shouldn't work on being, you know, quicker to hear and slower to speak, right? Like we should. That's also But it's a change. separate issue. <laughs> right. <laughs> but this says that this heart, this spirit, it's highly valuable in the sight of God. It's something that is precious to him. That's what my version says precious. Think about that. What's precious to you? You know, what is something in your life that you're just like, this is precious to me. Like, this is highly valuable to me. For a lot of women, we're going to think about people, right? Like kids that we love very much. Um, Spouses, maybe that we love very much. Friendships that are very precious to us. For others, they might think more immediately of like, maybe they have a very fine or a rare jewel or Maybe they are into cars and they have a vintage, you know, sports car. Like there's something they have that's very highly valuable. It's very precious to them. Mm. How do we treat something like that? We treat it really carefully, right? <laughs> we we treat it because it's valuable. We we cherish it. We yeah. protect it. You make choices to keep it safe. Yeah, you're not absolutely. flipping with it. You you do what you can for its good and for its betterment. Because you want it to be something that lasts. And I think that when you think about God having that view of us, that we are precious, that we're highly valuable to him, when we have a spirit of humility and a spirit of quiet, that is huge. Mm-hmm. You know, I love the idea of God thinking that's precious, that yeah. we just trust him so much that we're just willing to do whatever he wants us to do because we know he looks out for us and he has our best interests at heart. And we can just receive his word with humility. We can rest in whatever is happening with faith and with trust and with a quiet spirit. And that that's precious to God Mm -hmm. who loves us. Yeah. And I, I want to put a challenge out there to those of us who do tend to be quieter and do tend to be, you know, seen as more gentle and quiet people naturally how are you doing inside? <laughs> How's yeah. your heart? Because you could look like the most gentle person in the world, but inside you could be, it's like a hurricane's going on in there and nobody knows because the outside looks peaceful and serene, mm-hmm. but how's your heart? Cause that's what God sees. Um, do you have that gentle and quiet spirit? Are you trusting in God? Are you banking upon him? Do you throw yourself on his mercy in a hard, uh, trial that you're going through or do you just worry and, um, obsess about it and freak out and maybe you look fine on the outside, but God looks at the heart and man looks on the outside. So it is a challenge to be concerned with what God sees in us and to make that choice Mm -hmm. of, I'm just going to trust God. And then he gives that peace that surpasses all understanding. So it's a challenge for those of us who feel like maybe this comes naturally to us in one facet of our personality. Yeah, That's true. And I think a lot of times those who are quieter do tend to be more Thinkers. The ones you have to worry about usually. Well, and the ones who are worrying about. <laughs> True. <laughs> like a lot of times a, qu- a quieter person has more time for inner thoughts. And because they're not communicating as much, they're just thinking about what other people have said. There can be a lot of tendency towards anxiety mm-hmm. and tendency towards, you know, discouragement Fear. or stress or, yeah. yeah, they tend to be more in touch with their inner lives. And that can be a negative thing if they are not tempering that with God's word and yep. thinking things that are true, that are honorable, that are of good report. Yep. And, um, you know, spend time in Philippians four, if that's you, if you're struggling with your thought life and 
But yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, this is not a personality thing. This is not an outward appearance thing. This is all about the heart, which shouldn't surprise us because that's what God looks yeah. on, right? <laughs> Seems to be a theme here. <laughs> <laughs> we were just spending some time on Sunday in um, the passage dealing with David's call to be king and being um, anointed by Samuel and that God told Samuel, like, why are you surprised at this? Like, I don't look on the outward like man does. I look on the heart. And I want to encourage you ladies that even if you have allowed abrasive personality that maybe you're working on, um, you can still be a woman that is highly valuable and precious to God by how you and your spirit receive his word with humility, trusting him with peace and quiet and willing to put yourself under the authority of his word to serve him effectively with what he's called you to. And I'm excited to get into next week, foundational concept number one, now that we have prepared the ground and have spent some time talking about some of our common issues. I hope you guys will be praying about these things and searching your heart and repenting as God gives opportunity and understanding and that you're willing to come back next week and enjoy learning more about how we honor God by building redemptive relationships. By the way, we did add um, an Instagram for the podcast this past week. So now you can find us on Instagram at Bible Braced. And if you are listening to the show and you feel comfortable doing that, feel free to follow us on Instagram. We're going to try to be doing a lot of our announcements on that platform. Like if we have to skip a week because of illness or new series coming out or, you know, something like that's going on. And there are little like um, podcast excerpts I can share on there too that share like a minute or something of what we were talking about. I encourage you guys, if this has been a blessing to you and you feel led to do that, we wanted to have a social platform where you could share a little bit easier, you know, and, and be able to heart those things if they were a blessing to you, to share them to your feed or to send them to friends a little bit more simply. Um, we're praying about some changes we'll be making for the podcast this year. I might be pursuing getting a website set up to make it even more easy for people to find us. Um, there's lots of stuff I'm praying about right now, but the Instagram was kind of the first step. So feel free to find us on Instagram and, and follow us if you want to, and feel free to share on there if you'd like also. And hopefully that will be a blessing and encouragement to you guys. And so we love you ladies. And that's, that's all I had. Did you have anything else you want to add, Emily? I think we're good. Just trust Lord this week. Hopefully we'll be back next week with more. Yeah, exactly. Another exciting adventure. <laughs> Well, we love you ladies and trusting you have a great week and that you are able to get closer to your savior and spend time in his word, living the truth of his word in your everyday life. Amen. Carry it with you. We're praying for you and we love you ladies. We'll be back next week. Lord willing. Bye. Bye. Bye.